1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. <coughs> Starting in verse 13, it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together and with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Father God, we thank you for this morning, Lord, and just again an opportunity to open your word. Lord, I pray that you would be with me, the speaker this morning, God, that um, that again it would be your words, Lord, and that that's a genuine request. I know that we all pray that and we all get up here and ask for your words, but Lord, it's, it's, it's sincere, Father, that I know that my words mean nothing, Lord, but it's your words that, that can touch hearts, Lord, and change destinies, God, forever. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, Lord, that that your word would go forth and that people's hearts and minds and lives would be changed, God. And we ask this in your name. Amen. This is an interesting topic today. We're going to talk about the rapture. And many of you have heard the term before, the rapture. Um, many of us have ideas of what the rapture might be. Um, many of us kind of take the rapture and, and mix it with the end of the times and and, and Christ coming back, judging the world. And we have all these different topics. And, and rapture is also one of those words that, you know, we're like, is, we're kind of crazy if we actually talk about it. You know, like the rapture, we can't mention that because we're going to be one of those fanatical Christians that, that means that actually that, that Christ is going to call back to church someday. And, and, and so if, if you mention it in the world, they're like, oh, it's one of those crazy Christian people. And, and so it's one of those meat and potato things that's, that, again, as I talked about several times ago, that... This is one of those doctrines that you need to know of as a Christian. You don't need to hide from it. You don't need to be afraid of it because it's in the Bible. Oh, I don't want to study that because it's the rapture. And, and well, what if it actually happens? Or, or what if I don't understand what it means? And so the interesting thing is, as I was actually going to power through part of chapter 5 as well, trying to, to throw all this information together, and as I sat down yesterday to, to, to finalize my outline, I just felt like the Lord was saying, just, just slow down, Kevin, because there's a lot of information here before we even get to the rapture that if you don't believe in that, then you're not going to believe in the rapture, and the rapture doesn't matter anyways because we need to know if you're saved. We need to know, know if you have a foundation of belief of who you are as a Christian before we even worry about the rapture because if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then, then the rapture really isn't good news. But if you leave, believe in Christ, and you have a, a relationship with Christ and you are saved, then the rapture is great news. The rapture means that we get to go to heaven. And that's a good thing, is it not? I mean, we, we want to go to heaven, correct? I mean, I'm kind of, I'm selfish. I want to have, you know, I wanted to live my life and I want to have kids and, and I want to have, see my grandkids and be able to play with them. I'm like, I want it all. And then I like, I want to go to heaven. I mean, not that I want to, not that heaven's not going to be awesome, but I want heaven on earth. And then I want heaven, heaven. You know what I mean? So it's like, I want everything. I just want it all, you know? And so I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, Jesus, come today. Because I'm like, yeah, Jesus, come today because I get to go to heaven. But I want to just enjoy everything possible in this life. And, and then at the same time, the longer that we wait for the rapture to happen, 
If we're doing the things that we should be doing, more people get to go to heaven. I mean, just think about it. If, if, if Jesus had come back 25 years ago, how many people in this room would be going to heaven? How many people have been saved within the last 25 years? Within the last 25 years. Some of you aren't even born, so you can just raise your hand because you wouldn't have been here. But so we wouldn't have been there. You know, we'd have been on the outside looking in, you know. And, and so it's a good thing that, that, the, that God has been patient. It's a good thing that the Lord has waited. But at the same time, then the responsibility comes on the church to be doing, again, the works of the church that we're supposed to be doing. So in verse 13, it says, But I do not want you, Christian, to be ignorant. And again, Paul talking to the church of Thessalonica, talking to them. And again, he has a great love for them, as we've talked about it in the last several chapters. They, they are strong in their beliefs. They are strong in what they believe in. They're, they have a good foundation of what they're doing. He had just talked to them, and we talked last time, time about sexual immorality and being pure. And now he's looking, look, I, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. And nobody in this room wants to be ignorant, right? I mean, I can deal with a lot of things. I, I, I don't want to be ignorant. And I hate being around people who just choose to not know something. Like, they just want to be ignorant of life, ignorant of topics. I'm like, I need somebody who, who wants to know things. So Paul's looking at him saying, look, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. I don't want you guys to have a lack of knowledge on this topic. He says, look, for I, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. And falling asleep here is not a, it's not a term where it means that they've, they're, they're taking a long nap. Like, I'm going to go home today and I'm going to fall asleep. I'm going to sleep for a good hour, an hour and a half. That's what I like to do on Sundays. He's not talking about that. Falling asleep means, I'm not, I, I don't want you to be worried about those people who have died. Those people who, have, who are no longer breathing right now. They've fallen asleep. And the good news with, with a Christian, when you fall asleep, you're, you're not dead. You're not damned to eternal hell. You've just fallen asleep. You're taking a break. And then when your eyes wake up, you're in heaven, right? The Bible says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. So we fall asleep, we open our eyes, and we're in heaven. And so if Paul says, look, I don't want you to be concerned with those people who have fallen asleep already because they were concerned about, well, look, these, these, these are brothers and sisters. Some of them have died. And well, what's going to happen to them? And they were, just, they were just nervous. Look, Paul, you've given us all this information and then you, you blew out of town because of all of the, the, the dust up and, and we still got some questions going on here. What are, I'm concerned about my brothers and sisters and my, my family members. Well, what's going to happen to them? And you see, the, the beautiful thing is, and like I said, is if we fall asleep, there is an awakening for us. There's a good awakening where we get to open our eyes and cry out like a baby and we get to, to understand that we're in heaven. But the alternative to that, too, is that if some of those people who have, who have fallen asleep and who have died, well, then there's, a, there's an alternate course as well. Because, because there's, a, there's a good side of, of dying, and then there's the bad side of dying. And there's no in-between here. There's not, a, there's not a purgatory. I know that some people have heard that and raised with that. There's not a place of holding cell where it, it's literally you are going to die, and you're going to then be in where you're going to be. That's it. There's not a way to get out of jail-free card. There's not a way for me to praise somebody in who has died. There's none of that stuff that happens. That's not found in the Bible. It says to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And then that is where it's at. This is the time for you to make your decision. Your time for you to make your decision is that little dash that we see on the tombstones. You know, you were born this day. You died this day. That dash is when you're supposed to make your decision. I'm either going to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior or I am not. That's the decision to make. And Paul says, look, I don't want you guys to be worried about this. And the, and the sorrow here that you guys have is, is sorrow is, is others that have no hope. 
I don't want you to be like those people who have no hope that are in the world. Well, in the world, what do people believe today? What are some of the things that people believe today? Well, in science, what do the science believe? Science believes that as you die, then you go into the dirt, you rot, you become something else, your fertilizer for whatever, and then that's it. When you die, you don't have a soul, you don't have anything like that. This is it. You lived it. You're going ahead, and you're done. That's what science believes. It's just the circle of life, you know? That would be what Disney believes, but that's what's also science, but... Metaphysics. Metaphysics believes that you have an energy within you. You have a chi, and that you that you that there's a nice little energy that's inside of you, and and the reincarnation. Like, man, if you didn't do things right, you might have to go back and be reincarnated into something else to kind of get your karma down, so that you did everything right that's possible. You know, so that if you were a roach last time and you weren't a good roach, maybe you know this time you can be a cheetah, or you can be a tree, or you can be whatever else that you need to be to get the karma right that's in the world because we're all energy, man, and it's cool, and that's fine. And I read a lot of that yesterday, and I was like, wow, you know, I'm crazy because I believe in Jesus? It's interesting, man. And then you see the pictures. They're just so stereotypical of what you think in your mind of the people that are saying that. That's what they look like, you know. It was just awesome. And a little 70s flashback. And there's false religions that are out there too. There's false religions that believe that if you're a suicide bomber and you take out people, that you get 70 virgin brides or whatever the number is. That there's false religions that believe that you know Jesus and, and Satan are, are angels and that they're brothers. And that that's, that's the whole thing. That's, you get your own planet and on all those kinds of things. And so those are the people that don't have a hope. There's not a hope that's within that because it's a works religion or it's a, it's a science or it's a, there's no hope. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing that happens after you die. But what is, what is our hope then as Christians? Because see, we have to be different. We have to have an understanding of what we believe in like I've been talking about. If you guys could shoot over real quick to Ephesians chapter 2. And I apologize, should, I should have had you guys turn to a couple of places because we are going to move around a little bit. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, just to the left a little bit. And it says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as others. And real quick, before you read on, look, eyes up, eyes up, up. That was us. Before you knew Jesus, that was us. Whether we want to look at the world and say, I can't believe they live like they do, we used to be one of them living like people couldn't believe that that's how we used to live. That was us. We used to walk by the, the desires of our flesh, by the desires of our lust. We just went out there and we did whatever we could do. But then it says, but four, in verse 4, it says in the two wonderful words. Okay, if you don't underline these two words, then you're not a Christian. Okay, just give up your Bible now. It says, but God. And that is just, if that doesn't make you stop, and as if we're worshiping, and if there, was, if there was a time right now that you just wanted to fall to your knees, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, and when he, we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and with his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship. As Don says all the time, we are his poem, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And that is the beautiful hope that we have. But, but God in his mercy, but God in his grace, decided to save us and created works for us. I mean, that is the hope that we have. But God stepped in. When we were eternally going to go off to be in damnation, but God stepped in and said, no, that is a child of God right there. I claim that one. I claim Dana Canuti. I claim Leanneth. I claim those because I love them and I've got a plan for them and I have just mercy and grace upon them. And then that is the hope that we, we rest in. So as Paul's sitting there talking about it and he says, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. That is the hope that we have. The hope that we have is in Christ Jesus and knowing that he is the one that has stepped in and paid the full price for us in our lives. That as we were, that we were, as we were walking in our sins, Christ Jesus still died for those sins as we were still walking unto whatever. And Christ said, no, those are mine. And then that is the hope that we have and that's the excitement that we should live with and not sit there and, and mope around as Christians and say, well, you know, it's just another day. And No, we've been saved. And that is, that is, but God has stepped in. But God, for whatever that you have done in your life. And as Paul is writing these things, Paul again was, was, was out killing Christians and he was persecuting the church. But God stepped in. And so when Paul is writing these things, you can just imagine Paul sitting there going, I, I don't deserve it, Lord. I don't deserve the things that you have done for me because I of all people know that I'm the worst of all sinners. I'm the one that was out there killing your church. I'm the one, and now you use this vessel to come and, and, and to start churches and to go and proclaim your gospel as I head out into the mission field and just start proclaiming the, 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 the love of Jesus Christ to them and, and changing eternal destinies of an entire continent of Europe and going in and just, and just saving people. But God stepped in and saved me. And so when Paul says that and he looks into the eyes of these, this church, I know, that, I know that he's got a plan for you. You guys have got hope. Don't worry about them. Because, but God stepped in and saved us. Turn back over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 14 says, For if we believe, Paul continuing on here, because as others who have no hope, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So again, and we stop here and we say, well, if, what is, the if here is, is, is a big question, is it not? So if we believe that Jesus, and so that's the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning. So then if, if we believe that Jesus is able to do these things, if we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, well, do you guys believe that? I mean, that's, that's a big statement. Isn't it? I mean, that's a big, wow, that's not something that you just go, well, I believe that, you know, I believe all good things and I believe... No, but do you believe that somebody actually rose again from the dead? That he was dead. He was on a cross and that he was crucified and they buried him and that three days later that he rose again. Because see, Christian, without that, we have nothing. Without that, there is no Christian faith. We are just another religion that's out there. If, if, as much as we love you know, Christmas, if it's no Easter, then there's no here. We're not here this morning. Because Jesus had to conquer death. So if we're, if we're going to believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, well, that's, that's the whole question. That's the whole, again, one of those cornerstones within the foundation of what you have to believe in in your doctrine. 
We have to believe that Jesus lived a sinless life. We have to believe that he was born of a virgin. And we have to believe that he rose three days later. Because again, without that, then there's nothing. There's nothing that we can have belief in. And the belief that he uses here says, it's, it's used emphatically. And, and of those who acknowledge Jesus as the Savior and devote themselves to him. And so Christians, well, what do we believe? If you can, I'm sorry again, turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. If you've got a bulletin, you're going to want to keep it in, verse, in, in 1 Corinthians 15. I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> it says, Moreover, There you go. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which, you, which also you received and in which you also stand, by which also you are saved if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse 3 says, For I delivered to you first of all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen in by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. And that he was seen by James, then by the, also the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen by me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of these apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. And there Paul is talking, he's got a little, little something to deal with in his personal life from what he has done in the previous. But as he's talking about there, he's saying, look, this is, this is what you believe in here. And starting in verse 33, it says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. So the wonderful, wonderful thing about the Bible is that if you continue to read it, they will always continuously repeat the stories and repeat the stories and repeat the stories. If you read the, the first couple books of, of Genesis and of Exodus, they will continue. Even if you read in Acts, Stephen recants the entire testimony of everything that has happened. So as you continue to read the Bible, they will always repeat everything to you so that you understand it. Because what? They're using Scripture to defend Scripture. So as he's saying in verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, all that which I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and then he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And the beautiful thing here is too is then he says, look, there's, there's not just my word that says this. Okay, he was, he, the disciples saw him and there was over 500 people and he says, they're not even dead. They're still alive today. So if you want to go back there and talk to those people, they still can recant say, hey, look, yeah, I saw Jesus. It was an unbelievable thing. I know I saw him on the cross and then here he is like, you know, later he's, he's walking around and he introduced himself to me. I can't believe it that that was actually Jesus. So he's saying, look, I've got the proof and I've got everything here. So he's saying, look, that's what has happened. And so again, as Christians, as we move forward, we have to be able to then know the word of God to be able to present to people what we believe in so that they can have the same hope that we do. Because if we believe, as he says in verse 14, that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. He says, don't worry about those people who have died because look, so if those people, God can raise Jesus, can he not raise those who have fallen asleep already? So if God is so powerful to create all the world and all the heaven and everything else, and then he's able to then amazingly raise Jesus from the dead, do you not think that he can go ahead and raise those people who have been asleep already? God's got that kind of a power. It's amazing. If he can create all the universe in six days, do you think that he can go ahead and raise those people up as well? He says, of course he can. 
So if, if, you, if we believe that, if we have the faith in that, then I'm pretty sure that he can go ahead and take care of those people as well. So we move on into verse 15 and 16. It says, for, <clears throat> excuse me, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. In verse 15, it says, you know, that we will not proceed. Okay, so we're not going to get like a little head start. Okay, we're not going to just because we're on this side of the dirt doesn't mean that we're going to jump up into heaven quicker than those people. Okay, so he's saying, look, we're not going to proceed those people. The people who are already asleep are going to make it up there before us. In verse 15 says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. So if you're concerned with those people who have died already, we're not going to make it there any faster. They're going to fly out, and then we're going to come right behind them afterwards. And that's what he's saying there. So as we move into 16, and I don't want to get belabored into some of the points, verse 16 says, The Lord will descend. The Lord's going to come down. So again, so we back up and we look at all these things, and I know I'm kind of getting a little fast here because um, I'm looking at the time. But we've got, we've got Jesus is dying and if we believe in those things that Jesus died, okay? And now we believe and we've, we've read that we're going to now ascend into heaven. Well, how is this going to happen? In verse 16 it says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. Now descending is just, it's just coming down, right? So if the same way that Jesus rose up into heaven, he ascended in Acts chapter 1, at some point Jesus is going to come down and it's not the second, it's not the end of times where he's going to come down and he's coming on a white horse and, and, and he's judging the world at that time. That's not, it's not this time. He's coming down and he's descending out of heaven and he's, he's calling out and saying he's, he's going he's to shout and it's going to be a shout. It's an, it's an order, it's a command. It's, it's, it's a signal that you would give, like, back in the old days, you know, have you ever seen Ben-Hur? It's the greatest movie, movie of all time. You guys seen Ben-Hur? I know you've seen it. No? Ben-Hur? Ben-Hur, greatest movie of all time? Thank you. So Ben-Hur, remember when they're in, that, in the galleys of the ship, and they're like, they're just sitting there rowing, okay? And Ben-Hur is just, just doing his thing, okay? And so the, the, they're sitting there. You haven't seen the movie? What kind of house are you raising? Okay. And pray for Rick this weekend. So, anyways, you need to see this movie. So, anyway, so... Greatest movie of all time. It's got action. It's got romance. It's got Jesus. I mean, it's got everything. Redemption. I mean, it's, it's the movie. Pray for your house. Anyway, so he's, here's Ben-Hur. He's, he's rolling. And so there's a commander that's sitting there, and he's calling out to them. What, what is he saying? He's telling them, he's, they're giving them a beat, and you need to row. Why? Because we're, we're just kind of moving along. Well, then when it goes to the time to where they're going to attack, they start picking up the pace. They start picking up the pace. He's beating up. Now, they don't say, no, I'm not going to do it, Right? Because what's going to happen to them? They're either going to die or they're going to whip or something like that. So, you there? There you know. So, all right, I'll keep it up here. So they're not going to stop because they're going to get beat or whatever. So they, they just keep on rowing. So that's the same thing. They're going to they're going to obey the command that they have been given. Well, at the same point, when Jesus comes out and he gives a command and he gives a cry out and he calls out to us, what are we going to do? No, we're not going to go. No, you're going to go. You're going to be like, yes, this is finally it. Jesus is going to give the command and he's going to call out to us with a shout. And he's going to say, hey, come on up here. And at that moment, we are going to notice our Lord and we're going to respond accordingly. Why? Because he's Jesus. Why? Because he is God. Why? Because we are just so happy and thrilled the fact that, yes, it is true. Now, is it going to have that much time to make that decision? No, not at all. Okay, so we're going to get to that in a second. But you're going to hear it. 
Why? Because it's going to sound like the voice of an archangel as we continue on. The voice of an archangel. Now, Jesus is not an angel. Okay, as I mentioned, some religions believe that he's an angel. Jesus is not an angel. It doesn't say that he's an angel here. It just says that he's going to shout out with the voice of an archangel. So in my mind, and it could be completely wrong, it's going to be sounding kind of something a little deep, you know, maybe something nice, you know, and he's going to call it out and it's going to be a command and you're going to hear it and you're like, wow, that's, that's strong. You know, because I think when Jesus was on earth, again, we've talked about it before, as Don is using, you know, like, hey, here's the most good looking guy in the world. I'm somewhere over here. And there's, you know, the good looking guy over here, ugly guys over here. Jesus would have been somewhere in the middle. okay? because there was nothing noticeable about him, nothing that would have drawn us towards him. And so I think the same thing with his voice. He wouldn't have had like a Lou Rawls voice, you know, nice, something deep. And hey, how you know, again, it's an old person's joke. But um, so he wouldn't have nobody would have known, you know, nobody would recognize his voice because he probably just had an annoying one like mine. You know, it would just been like whatever. So he's not going to have that when he cries out to us. It's going to be something of a voice of an archangel. You're like, archangel's got to be like powerful. You know, it's going to be something Ken Graves kind of voice, you know, come down, you know, it's going to, it's going to be there, you know, you're going to be like, wow, that was a voice. And that's what's going to happen. So it's going to come down and it's going to be different than anything that we've ever heard, anything that we've ever imagined. And that's going to be the voice. So it's not that Jesus is an angel. He's not. He is God and he is Lord. And it's going to be Jesus coming down with a shout, with a command that he calls out to us. But then that's not it because that's not God. We have something even greater than that. And there's going to be a trumpet of God. There's going to be a sound. So I don't know if it's going to be a call out and then it's going to be, you know, something like that. But there's going to be a trumpet of God. And the the reason that this is important too, God, in in the Bible, you'll see many times a trumpet has been used for either calling um, people for war together, calling, you know, for a command to bring people together. It's also been used for pageantry, for calling God's people together. So as he's using that, this is a great illustration as far as, hey, look, this is God calling his people up and saying, I want you to come now up to here. I want you, I'm calling you out now because there's something that's about to come down on this earth and I don't want my people to be a part of it. And so he calls out to us and, is, and is, there's a joyous excitement. It's not going to be, I, I, as far as like the, the, the left behind movies and things like that, I, I don't remember them having that sound. I don't remember having that call. I don't remember that part of the movie. But I think that there's going to be a noticeable noise that the world will hear and the entire planet will hear it. Well, how is that going to happen? I don't know. I'm not God. I think it's going to be awesome though. And again, people are going to know it and and they're going to understand that something just happened. They might write it off to UFOs. They might write it off to, you know, a windstorm. They might write it off to whatever that they have to do to be able to move on the way they want to do and just be happy that, oh my goodness, those Christians are finally gone. We can really do the things that we want to do. And that's where we'll be at. Move back over to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read a little bit more as you work your way over there. <clears throat> because he says, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So the next question that you're going to ask is then, well, if the dead in, in Christ are going to rise first, 1 first, first Corinthians 15, verse 35. So 1 Corinthians first, uh, 15, verse 35. So if the, Christ, if the dead rise first, well then, some, uh, Kevin, you can't be the first person to ask this question. So verse 35, it says, but someone will say, Paul already jumping out there, how are the dead raised up and what body do they come in, right? So that's a good question, right? So if somebody's been dead for a while, okay, say two, three hundred years, thousand years, something like that, well, maybe they don't even have a body. 
You know, I mean, if maybe they, Kevin, it's not going to be around. Maybe they were burnt up or whatever. Maybe something happened where they don't have a body or, or maybe they just died a couple months ago and they're really going to stink. I mean, how is all this going to work out? I mean, is that not a legitimate question? Is that a good question, right? And you're like, Kevin, why would you bring it up? Because that's a hard question to answer, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of dumb. Well, I'm a new pastor, that's why. So, so you continue on and it says, well, foolish one, and I'll read this down this because some of it is pretty cool. It says, for foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be. But mere grain, perhaps wheat or, or some other grain will come out. So as he goes on in this, he's going to say, look, when you plant something, is that it, does it not have to break down and then something else that comes out? Is that not correct? And then he goes on to say, does not God create all the different flesh that's out there? I mean, we have a different flesh than what the tree might have and what a fruit might have. And do not all the planets and the stars, don't they all have a different like, flesh or, or, or being a part of them? Does not God create all those different things? So he says, look, I can, God can do all things that he wants to do. If, if God has cre- took six days to create this, well, he took a lot longer to create this because I've damaged it a lot more. So... Some of you guys are out there, so some of you guys, have, he's, he's done a better job with. But so he's, he, he's created all different things that are out there. Is not God able to then use that DNA and just go ahead and pull that person out and give them that perfect body as they start moving up? I mean, if we, if we believe all the other stuff and we're like, nope, I stop on that one. I don't know how God's going to do that. Well, Paul says, well, that's kind of silly, is it not? Because as we move into... Verse 47, it says, The first man was, was of the earth made of dust, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. And was the man of dust, so also those are made of dust. And as is this man of heavenly man, so also are those who are of, the, are of heavenly. And as we are born the image of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So what he's saying there is, who is the first man? Anybody know? First man? Adam, you are just rocking lately. Meredith is doing a great job. She's got extra points. So, and who is the other man that he's, who's the second man that he's talking about? Jesus. Dan is, man, where are you at? Gosh. Ladies, great job. So you guys, ladies are paying attention. So the first man is, is, is Adam and he was made of dust is what he's saying. So how, who do we take the image of? Adam, right? So we're all taking that image of dust. So as we wither away and we're gone, that's the dust that's gone. But he says the second man was made of the spirit, and that's Jesus. So Jesus is now currently in heaven, right? So as we take on that spirit image, we're going to then have a heavenly body because this body can't make it up there. Okay, this body is definitely not good enough, and I'm way looking forward to that, to getting a different body. So when we go to heaven, we're going to have a spirit-filled body. We're going to have a, a new body, a new, new outfit that we've got going on here. So we're going to be made completely new. So as those people who have died are rising up and going up, they're going to have new bodies. It's going to be a heavenly body because they can't take this one up there. So as, as, as incorruptible, can't go up there, we're now going to have new bodies to be able to go into heaven, and that's what we're always looking for. At least some of us, okay? That we always make jokes of, hey, I'm going to have hair up there and I'm going to have all that other stuff. But it's, you know, I'm going to be, I'm already 6'2", but I'm going to be in shape and, and all those kinds of things. Well, maybe I'm not. Maybe that's not cool in heaven. Maybe it's cool in heaven to not have hair. And all you people who have hair and you're doing all these things with it, maybe you guys are the ones who are going to be like, I'm going to have no hair when I get to heaven. See? See what I'm saying? There's a hallelujah going on. It's a spirit-filled teaching this morning, Okay. You guys are going to be jealous of us, all right? But you won't be, so it's all ruined because there's no jealousy in heaven. So it's like the big, we're still getting it. You know what I mean? It's still not right, so we can't even enjoy that. 
Again, I'm just depressed. Why did I bring it up? So we're all going to have a new body when we go to heaven. And we say, praise the Lord. You know, So all those aches that we have, all those pains that we have, all that is gone. It also says in Revelation that there should be no more, no more tears, no more sin, no more sorrow. All that stuff will be gone when we get to heaven. And that's the glorious thing that we're looking forward to. Is so as, as, again, as we go back to what we were talking about before, that we don't have a hope, but we do have a hope. And our hope is in Christ, and our hope is the fact that we're going to be in heaven and that all this bad stuff is going to be gone. All those worries that we have are going to be gone. And the prayer this morning, all those things that we're concerned about right now that each one of us has concerns of are all going to be gone. They're going to be washed away, and we're going to be in heaven, and we're going to be in the presence of of God himself, and then everything else is going to just pale in comparison to that. And so again, that's the hope that we look forward to and that's what we're hoping for as, we, as we're caught up, as we're heading up into the sky. <clears throat> Verse 17, as we shoot back to 1 Thessalonians, keep your bulletin still in 1 Corinthians 15. Really, the study is in 1 Thessalonians 4. I know we're in, almost covered the entire chapter now in 1 Corinthians, but... <clears throat> It says then in verse 17, it says, Then we who are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. And we who remain, and Paul here is still talking about in, in present tense, that as many of us today still think that we are in the last times, Paul expected wholeheartedly to, that Christ could come back at any moment. And you'll hear a lot of people that will debate with us and say, well, for 2,000 years you've been waiting for Christ to come back. Well, you're right, because we know that at any moment Jesus can come back. And so we're prepared. And as, as Paul's saying, look, we who remain. So he's saying, look, I expect it, but if I'm not, man, you guys, whoever is here, who, we who remain will be caught up. And caught up here, this is the word, and you'll hear a lot of people again say, well, there's no such word as rapture in the Bible. There's no, you don't see it in the Bible. It's just kind of a made-up thing like the Trinity. There's no Trinity written in the Bible. The rapture, the, the word rapture comes from, it comes from the, the Greek word is har, har, harpezo, harpezo, I think is how you say it. Harpazo, that's it. So I kept listening to the Blue Letter Bible. And, say it again, say it again. <laughs> so I need a little button up here, harpazo. And so... Used a, it's, it's a word that kind of, it says it's, it's used of divine power transferring a person marvelously and swiftly from one place to another to snap, snatch or catch away, to pluck or to take by force. So it's, it's, it's one of those words that's just going to take you by force. It's going to be that quick. It's going to be gone. Well, you say, well, that's not, that, how do you get rapture from that one? What well, actually then comes from the Latin word, it's rapturo, where we get the word rapture from. We also get the word, and it's, and it's, it's a weird word that you're going to get from it, but it's, it's, a, it's from the word also rape, you know, where something is it's, it's taken away quickly, where it's, 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 violent, it's, it's quickly, it's violent that we're taken out of here. So it won't be one of those things, again, like I said before, where we're going to, oh, isn't that a wonderful voice? And isn't it just a beautiful trumpet sound that we hear? It's going to be, we're gone. And maybe that everything else is for the world to hear, that we're going to be out of here. It's going to be like that, and we're going to be caught up into the, in the sky, and, the heaven, and you're going to see everybody else is going to be up there, and we're like, yes, it's coming, it's happening, I can't believe this is happening. That our, I'm changing, this is awesome, you know? Everything's going to be new. But we're going to be taken out of here in a second, and that's where the word rapture comes from. And so as I was preparing for this message, I'm like, you know, it's going to be on the rapture, and I've got to have this big thing, and then I've got to do you know, the pre-trib, the mid-trib, and the, and the post, and I'm getting all this other stuff, and it's, it, you make a bigger, bigger deal out of what it is because it's just a word. 
But as you slow down and you go through it verse by verse, and you start looking at all these, these words that are beforehand, because see, none of this again matters unless we have, a, we have a belief in Jesus Christ. None of this matters as far as the rapture. None of this matters as far as Jesus coming back unless we have a relationship with Jesus. One last time, turn back to 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. And it says, Behold, Paul again speaking, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. And will that not be a glorious day when that happens? That, I mean, just again, just thinking about it is just, that does bring joy to your life. It brings joy to, to everything that you're going through, everything that you believe in, everything that you're, that you're, you're striving for in life is to know that, that this really is going to happen. And as we read the stories in the Bible that, that we look at them and we, 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 we trust in them and we, we, we look at them as for, oh, I, need, I just need information for today to kind of help me to be a better parent. And I need information today to help me to be a better husband for my wife. And I need information of the Bible to help me with, to be better finances and to, to not sin against others. And, and I need encouragement today from the Bible. And all those things are important. But as we go to those, the Bible for those things, still rest and, 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 and enjoy and get excited about the fact that, the real fact of, that it's going to happen someday. That there will be a call out from heaven. And that there will be a trumpet sound. And that we will all ascend into heaven and everything will be changed at that moment. We are going to go to heaven. Some of us are. Some of us are going to have a glorious time in heaven. Some of us are going to hear that and we're going to head up. But at the same time, I look at this and as I was talking to Bert last night, you know, this, this affects two different people. This affects the, the Christian and we're all excited about it. And we are called fanatical because we're going to go up into heaven and we're going to be called up and we're going to be raptured. Well, I'd rather be fanatical and be able to go to heaven and, 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 and worship God than the other person that this affects this morning. There, there are probably some of you in this morning that don't have a relationship with Christ. There are some of you this morning that listened and go, that's a good story, Kevin. But it's nothing else than just a story. And I plead to you and to say that, no, it's not a story. It's the truth. And as we've gone through the different scriptures and I've brought you to 1 Corinthians and, and I can bring you to John, I can bring you to the different verses and say, look, in Romans, which John has been going through, Pastor Don, that no, that there's a decision that has to be made today for you. Because what happens today if it's it? I was going to show the video that Don had showed you know, about a year ago or so of the guy teaching the message and then all of a sudden, boom, everything was gone and the Bible just dropped to the ground. It could happen just like that. That today could be it. Tomorrow's not promised. Tomorrow's that next moment is not promised. I'm not promised to go home today. We could all be called right now to go up to heaven. Would this be an empty church? Would this morning, if, if Jesus came back right now and called us out, would there be nobody in this church because we all were raptured? Well, that's the decision that you have to make right now. And as, we all, as I'd like you to bow your heads right now, I'd like to pray and I'd like to ask anybody who does not know the Lord as your Savior to please raise your hand. And as we are getting ready to pray, I, I want you to come forward and say, Kevin, I want to make a decision today. So if you could close your eyes, anybody who does not know the Lord, I want you to know that this is the day of salvation. That this is the day that the Lord has made for you. The Bible talks about it, that if anybody comes to know the Lord, 
anybody accepts Christ as their Savior, that there's a big party in heaven. And I guarantee you there will be a big party at Calvary Chapel this morning as well. The only desire that we have this morning is, is not for a church to be built, to be greater than what we are, to put a notch in our Bibles that somebody came to know the Lord, but more importantly that, that you would know Christ as your Savior. If we're a church that everybody here is saved, then praise the Lord, and I'm happy. More importantly, you should be happy. But I pray this morning that if you don't know him, that you would raise your hand. Father God, I pray for this church. I pray that, Lord, that the hearts that you're knocking on right now, God, would, would come to know you this morning, Lord. Father, I, I prayed and talked about it before that a friend of mine, Larry, that I'm not even sure had passed away about a month ago, Lord, and I don't want to lose the opportunity to, to, to ask and have decisions to be able to be made to know you, Lord. So this morning as we pray, Father, I, I pray that anybody who does not know you would you would just continue to knock on their heart. That, Lord, that you would call them out. That that relationship that they're having with you, the conversations they're having with you right now would just be uncomfortable, Lord, and that a decision would have to be made. That Lord, if, if today is not that day and, and Lord, that we're all saved, then praise God. Father, I pray that you would inspire us to be men and women that would be willing to present the gospel to anybody that we come across, Lord. It says in First Peter to be in, prepared at any moment to give a defense of your word. So Father, I pray for our church that we would be that church that would be willing to, to reach out and take a step in faith, Lord to honor you, Lord, in all that we do. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for this church. I love them very much. Lord, we offer the rest of the day to you. We ask this in your name. Amen.